millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. From AccuWeather.com, this is Everything Under the Sun. It's our weekly podcast featuring in-depth interviews with experts from AccuWeather and from around the world. Bringing you behind-the-scenes information, stories, and news on the weather, climate change, and the outdoors. Covering topics from the worlds of science, sports, and space. It's all the information you need to weatherproof your life. And now, here's the host of Everything Under the Sun, AccuWeather meteorologist, Dean DeVore. And welcome into episode two of our fall series here for 2021. It is so good to have you here for another episode of Everything Under the Sun as we really jump ahead from fall to winter, right? The AccuWeather winter outlook for 2021 into 2022 came out a week ago. It is our pleasure to be able to sit down with Chief Long Range Forecaster Paul Pastelock here on this episode and really break down that winter forecast, look at it kind of globally, and then break it down into regions and talk about your neck of the woods and see what kind of winter you're expecting. And then I'll have some thoughts about the weather for the upcoming weekend and the week beyond as the end of the podcast as we make our way through fall. Friends, sit back and relax. It's time to talk about everything under the sun. And welcome into Everything Under the Sun here in our fall series, but we're going to jump ahead to winter. It's our pleasure to welcome in our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Paslock, as promised. Just a couple of weeks ago, I know we talked about the fall forecast and got people into that. And um, my goodness, what warm, nice weather that we're having along the eastern seaboard here as we get into this upcoming weekend. But uh, look, uh, we want to talk about the winter forecast. I know, Paul, you and your team have been working so hard over the last couple of weeks to put the finishing touches on it to get it out the door last week and then doing all the media interviews here to talk about it a little bit this week. Let's just, for the average person, go back and talk a little bit about methodology. When we look at these seasonal forecasts, which obviously it looks like, you know, winter is always the most popular one because everybody wants to know about snow. But I know you and your team take a long, painstaking look at what's been happening in the weather in the summer and the fall, and then kind of take what you think are going to happen in terms of uh, different signals and come up with some analog years. And in some ways, sometimes that's an easier proposition than others. How's that been this year getting ready for this winter forecast? Well, finding the years actually to match up has been pretty easy this winter season. We found some years that kind of relate to what's happened already and then what uh, we think is going to happen here in the fall completely. And then that helps us with the next season as well, the winter season. So that has been a, a very smooth process so far. We found a, a series of years that have worked out in, so far and are working now. And the only problem we're having is trying to match that up with some of the forecast models that have been going on. They've been inconsistent, and that's kind of slowed us down a little bit, trying to figure out I guess, what signals are going to stick out this year? And we talk about signals. So one of the big ones that has become certainly, you know, obviously a major importance to meteorologists, but also has kind of gotten down to the average person is the La Nina-El Nino mm -hmm. situation, the water surface temperatures in the Pacific and how that's looking as you get towards Christmas time. It looks like we're going to be a second year in a row where there's going to be some La Nina 
as strong as last year's was or or, or different? How's that going to be? It'll be slightly different. We think this winter the La Nina will be a little bit weaker compared to last. And what that means is that the signal may not be as strong coming from this La Nina compared to last year. There may be other signals that may want to say, hey, we're stepping up. We're going to take over during the course of the year. It's our job to try to figure out what those are going to be and which one's going to be the dominant signal. It may not be La Nina. And one of that uh, signals that we're really concerned about, especially early in this winter forecasting period, is the tremendously warm water that continues Mm -hmm. to sit off the eastern seaboard. And I think that's part and parcel. We're seeing these incredibly warm temperatures as we round the corner from the first full week in October to the second full week. looks just as equally as warm up in parts of New England and along the eastern seaboard. So that warmth provides a lot of fuel and and gives us some scariness here to the beginning part of this forecast, especially along the eastern seaboard. Well, that also makes it harder because when you look at some of these past years, it does show a warm anomaly, but not as warm as this year. And that can make a little difference in what you're forecasting. So you have to actually, you know, account for that, that uh, warm water that's really, I think, plus five, plus six right now on temperatures along the uh, coast from Delaware up to Maine. And that could have an input on the temperatures, keeping nighttime lows up in the early part of the season. That could also have an effect on storms coming out of the northwest and exploding over that uh, warm water. So we could have a couple of nor'easters to deal with. Where it's rain or snow, that's tough to tell at this point. Right, and obviously, you know, those nor'easters can create their own pool of cold air, pulling it down from Canada. How far east will that get? So, yeah, that's the interesting part of the early winter. I'll tell you what, let's do this. I think that was a good overview. Let's take a little break. And when we come back, we'll kind of break this down by region, Mm -hmm. go from west to east across the country. So stick around. We'll get your more regionalized, more localized winter forecast from our long-range team, Paul Pasolak. I'm Dean DeVore. Back with more after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Plan your day with confidence and find out what the weather means for you. Join AccuWeather meteorologist Bernie Reno Monday through Friday for Weather Insider. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Welcome back to Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. This is our fall series, but we've jumped ahead to winter as we are joined by our chief long-range forecaster, Paul Pasolak, who, you know, before we get into this, I know you're proud of your team. You have so many individuals with differing backgrounds, which mm-hmm. is another reason um, why I think some of our uh, long-range stuff is, has really taken hold in terms of people's minds and the effectiveness of it, because you have different people looking at this with different expertise, and they really kind of blend into a nice team that you've got going on. Yeah, it's funny. Our team is a mix of young and some older forecasters. So you bring the the, the history back, and you also bring some of that freshness coming out of college, uh, some of the stuff they teach us a little bit sometimes. Right. Well, I think they also <laughs> teach us that you know this pattern and the way things are constructed in our climate are a little different than when we grew up 20, 30 40 <laughs> years ago. There we go. Well, at, the, at the same time, too, is uh, they there's a lot of enthusiasm. Yeah. I mean, everybody wants to do something. You have you have your forecasters that are good at uh, commodity and agriculture. Then you have energy, uh, retail, travel. You you got a whole bunch of slew mix there uh, in our team, and and it makes it easier on me. Well, when yeah. they can give me the opinions, and that, and, okay. it, and it's really good for us too because uh, I, I mean, look, it's not. We have trouble sometimes going past two days in our forecast in terms of knowing and feeling yeah. confident. And, and But um, I, I feel really confident that at least 
as you go into this, we have a good thought process. And I think one thing you you mentioned to me offline is that this year in particular, we may have to be updating this a couple of times. In other words, there, there doesn't seem to be as good confidence that this may be the way it goes the whole way through the winter. We may have to make some adjustments based on what you just said in the last segment of these signals trying to figure out which one is going to be the dominant one. Yeah, there's two things that are making me a little less confidence right now. It's the inconsistency of some of the bigger models right now, changing their minds. So they're not picking up on the things that you're seeing signal-wise yet in the modeling and the results of the modeling, right? Exactly, exactly. And the other thing is the the water temperatures set up in the Northeast Pacific is a little bit concerning. It's warm water right now north of Hawaii, south of the Gulf of Alaska. It's a little farther south than what you would typically see in a La Nina, true La Nina season. And that could alter the storm track a little bit. Something that maybe the modeling's not picking up just yet. Right. And it's making me a little nervous that maybe that storm track's not directly at the northwest, in a, which you typically see in a La Nina. Right. Maybe it's a little farther south this year. Right. And that could impact uh, bringing um, the, the storminess down into California, maybe northern California. I don't know that we'd want to go to southern California right no, now. No, not right now. But that's a pop. That's the biggest question I'm being asked right now now, Dean, is are we going to get rain in California? They right. need the rain back. They need the rain to alleviate the wildfire and the and the drought problems there, for sure. Mm-hmm. One thing where we do think we're going to get rain is the Pacific Northwest. As you go through it, you've got rain, mountain snow highlighted there, and uh, we'll keep an eye on the uh, areas, uh, California and inland, in the southwest corner of the part of the country. Season's already started right on time. In fact, if you go back four or five months from some of our predictions, we had October nailed to start going here in the northern rockies which is not that uncommon but it is it's going to get going here and it's going to go big i mean we're going to see a couple big storms come through the northern and central rockies and produce the snow that you see on the map and they go across uh, the pacific northwest into the northern rockies so heavy snow at times at times there and then you mix it with rain as you get farther south into the uh, intermountain west and down to denver and beyond and then there's that whole area from the northern plains central plains all the way over to the great lakes which has the wording periods of cold and snow my goodness paul you already <laughs> rocked chicago and detroit last year you're going to do it again this year well, well it's not you but it, it's the atmosphere it's another la nina so there's going to be some similarities but not everything's going to be different and i think that we still continue to see an active storm track there i think we're going to see the coldest air try to come through that region as well at times will it be doing it there'll be some breaks but i think that you know, when you look at the entire season as a whole that's going to be the busy spot for us this year. Right. Um, thank you for our friends at WBBM <laughs> and, and WWJ, News Radio 950 and News Radio 105.9 in Chicago on WBBM. They're going to be probably taking a lot of listens here over the over the next several months because it's going to be active, not only what we say subnoptically, in other words, larger storms, but there's also going to be lake effect uh, that's going to, especially with some of these really incursions of cold air. And that's another thing we didn't talk about necessarily in the first segment. Let's kind of backtrack Mm -hmm. to the polar vortex. And I just want to spend one minute to remind and refresh folks that it's kind of a a, a counterintuitive thing. You hear people say, well, it's the polar vortex. If the polar vortex, or in other words, that spin of air, that circulation of air around that North Pole, if it is strong, if that's spinning well, the cold air stays locked more over the Arctic. If that that circulation weakens, that's when we get these incursions of Arctic and polar air down south. And that's a sign, another signal that you've been watching. Right. And we're talking about the upper levels of the atmosphere. We're talking about in the upper troposphere, 
into the stratosphere uh, levels that we're talking about when we're talking about the polar vortex, this type of polar vortex where that's generally there, but it starts getting stronger and stronger usually as we go through the fall season. Well, this year, compared to last year, last year it was strengthening all the way up to about December. This year it looks like it's going to get uh, kind of smacked around and actually weaken a bit in the coming weeks. And with a weaker polar vortex, it allows the coldest air that's up above to work its way down to the surface and then spread out towards the mid-latitudes uh, because that spin is not strong enough to keep it all together. Right. But when, it, when when it's stronger, then it usually stays right tucked you know, near the North Pole. So that's our concern is that we get these early surges of some Arctic air as we get into the late fall and early winter season this year. Kind of like you think about a, an ice skater. When they're spinning fast, everything's in close Tight. to them, right? Mm-hmm. As they slow down, their arms and stuff come out and things spread out. So so we're saying there could be some early incursions of very yes. cold air, which has this concern. It uh, kind of leads into your concerns about some nor'easters, at least early in the season, November into early December along the eastern seaboard, but also some really cold air coming down into the plains, at least at the initial shots as we flip over from fall to winter. Yeah, the this you need a source region. You, you still need to get cold at the surface. And we're seeing snow that's going to be building up over the next several weeks in western Canada and also the northern Rockies. And so as we continue to see that source region get colder, those air masses will stay fresh. They won't modify, and a lot of those will start working out into the plains. may take a little time to get to the east, but they should start to do their job in the plains. Right. So the, the, that will be the tricky thing as you head farther east. As the highlights say rain or snow in the mid-Atlantic, and then you know periods of cold and snow are continuing up into New England. Wet periods down through... Um, the Ohio, mm-hmm. Tennessee Valley, all the way down the Mississippi River Valley to uh, northern Louisiana and northern Mississippi. Those areas are going to be stormy and wet at times. Yeah, and there's going to be kind of a different a different pattern from month to month there. They may have some thunderstorms to deal with uh, in the southern part of that area uh, early on in the season. And then we could turn into more of a, another southern storm track. Now, La Nina usually pushes more northern storm track throughout the season, but you will get the southern branch to work in from time to time. Right. doesn't mean it shuts off completely. Correct. That's an area where we think those waves will end up going through and could cause some heavier rainfall. Along the eastern seaboard, as you told to me a couple of weeks ago, or when we were talking about this offline, busy at the start, mm-hmm. maybe a lull in things in terms of activity, but then it looks like the analogs and things would pick that activity up again as we get later on in the winter period. Yeah, and and I think for the latter part of the winter, may, de- may be determined by what happens from the Arctic. Because if we don't have another weakening of the polar vortex, it may stay above normal. Some, some modeling says February is above normal. Uh, and we do have the southeast above normal right now. But it, it will be determined on what can happen in the Arctic, and that's a little ways off to see right And now. that may be one of the adjustments we make when we reconvene and look at this Absolutely. in November and, and down the line. And speaking of, if you do not like winter and you want some nice weather, mm-hmm. it looks like the southeast, especially the coastal areas, uh, North Carolina, all the way down through Florida. I don't know. Uh, I may tell my producer, Ken Prell here, our executive <laughs> producer, that I want to do the rest of my winter from Florida here as uh, do it remotely because it looks pretty good. Well, we're, we're in a day, we're in an age of remote. Why not? <laughs> I, I mean, right. I think more people are going to get that idea and yeah, do right. the same thing. They're going right. to head south. Forget about the winters up well, north. The, that, that may be the plan here. Uh, just quick, uh, let's look at 
temperature anomalies and precipitation anomalies. One of the temperature anomalies that you would see if you look at our maps is down through the middle of the country. And, and what you caution me sometimes is that can be a little bit deceiving because there are places where we don't have us overall through the, you know, the three months of meteorological winter that we look at here as being below normal. But there could be some really awful shots of extremely cold air. So in, it averages out maybe to near normal, but there could be some really strong, you know, long uh, couple of few day cold snaps here that is going to be pretty prolific. Let's. I mean, let's be real. We know that the winter season doesn't work on the meteorological calendar December through February. We know that it can get cold in November. We know it can get cold in March and April. We just have a 90-day outlook that kind of gives the the flavor, flavor, exactly, uh, of what we can expect. And like you said, it's a 90-day average. So there could be some swings that kind of... You know, balance things out. Like a place like St. Louis that I'm in, they could have a week or two where it is just uh, ridiculously frigid, Mm -hmm. and then they flip for a couple of weeks where it's ridiculously warm, and then it could flip back again. You know, I'm not a big fan of the three month average maps, like the highlight maps (laughs) and the and the and the ninety day temperatures, because you don't see that in between. That's where you come in when you do the month to month. Even though weather doesn't work like doesn't change at December 31st when it goes to January, you know, there are some overlapping that takes place. But I think that's the better way to do it. And we try to do that. Our clients get more specific month-to-month a- action, and they can see what's going on in that 90-day average. Any uh, last-minute messages here as we wrap up our visit together uh, as we uh, look at this? No, I just say that, you know, hey, look at last year. Think similar, but a few adjustments. Maybe Texas doesn't have that strong charge of cold they saw last February. We, that we caused, hope not. That was devastating. But don't be surprised. It may happen somewhere farther you know, east of that area. Maybe the Mississippi Valley right. or something Tennessee like that. Tennessee Valley down into... Uh, and snow cover. Yeah. Snow cover is so important. Everyone will tell you in the long-range uh, uh, field that you know we need to know where the snowpack and snow covers deep and stays. That will keep the cold air fresh. Yeah, we've seen that so many times where the snow comes and it just sticks around for two or three months and then it uh, lends itself to even colder air coming into places that maybe we weren't thinking earlier. Uh, Paul, thanks so much. I know uh, we'll be visiting from time to time here as we go through the fall and into the winter. Keep it fresh, updated, and thanks for all the hard work you and your team do on this. No problem. When we come back, I'll have some few thoughts on the weather for the upcoming weekend and the week beyond, and we'll preview the rest of our fall episodes coming ahead on Everything Under the Sun. For Paul Passlock, I'm Dean DeVore, back with a little bit more after this. This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Whether you're at home getting ready for work, packing the kids' lunch, or commuting, listen to AccuWeather Daily. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform, and you'll get the top trending weather story of the day every day. And welcome back to our final segment of Everything Under the Sun in this second fall series episode. I'm meteorologist Dean DeVore, your host. Normally, I enlist the help of some of my other friends and colleagues here at AccuWeather, but, uh, you know, it's a busy time of the year. So I think I'll tackle it myself here, the weather for the upcoming week and in the week beyond. One thing that we do want to talk about uh, going in is this podcast drops on Friday looks like there will be some heavy downpour potential for areas in the southeast, a very moist river of moisture coming up into areas like uh, the Panhandle over into central and northern Florida, up into areas like 
near Atlanta, Charleston, South Carolina, and points in between through South Carolina up to Charlotte in North Carolina. So your weekend starts with a little bit of a bang there in the southeast. And then overall for the weekend itself, that area of rain showers tries to move up into the mid-Atlantic. Now, it's going to be interesting. There's a backdoor cool front that will take the temperatures that are soaring into the low to mid-70s here to end the week up in the northeast in the mid-Atlantic in New England. It'll cool things off in the New England areas, uh, but stay mainly dry, it looks like, for Saturday and into Sunday from Maine down to about Boston. But temperatures have to be in the low to mid-70s. We'll cut back in the low to mid-60s there. New York City and west of that in the mid-Atlantic states during the weekend, you're kind of in that zone where temperatures are cooler for sure. New York City on Friday is going to get up in the mid-70s, but then back in the mid-60s over the weekend, some showers and some rain. And then what we have to watch is what we call a coastal critter, an area of low pressure that may try to come up and form along the coast and bring some showers up towards New York and even New England as we get later Sunday into Sunday night. Believe it or not, it's Marathon Monday on Monday in Boston as uh, we've been delayed because of the pandemic. Instead of having it in April, they moved it to November this year. So we'll have to keep an eye on a possibility of some showers early in that uh, temperature's upper 60s. But um, the rest of the areas, if you go from the Appalachians westward, unseasonably warm weather. It looks like Chicago, upper 70s on Saturday, low 80s on Sunday. St. Louis could be touching towards 90 degrees this weekend, both Saturday and maybe even above that on Sunday, getting close to records. And all that warmth throughout the southeast after that rain on Friday, where it's going to be cooling off is the Pacific Northwest. Friends, up there, uh, you've got a front that's going to be pushing in starting Sunday, continuing into Monday. So some rain and some higher elevation snow. Yes, the blue color is back on the map in the Pacific Northwest. Kind of the intersection of that late Sunday, Sunday night, I'm worried and some of us here at AccuWeather are worried about a severe storm threat risk. So northeastern Texas, eastern Oklahoma, Oklahoma City eastward and western Arkansas right now would be in the crosshairs of that Sunday and Sunday night. And then that severe weather threat would move farther north and east towards places like St. Louis on Monday and up into the upper Great Lakes, possibly Tuesday, as this warm air continues to be fighting with the colder air that's pushing in from the Pacific Northwest. So an interesting setup for next week. We'll keep an eye on that as you go through the weekend. You want to weatherproof your life by keeping up to date on the local AccuWeather forecast from AccuWeather.com. One thing with all this warm weather up along the eastern seaboard, our thoughts for next week are to do some gardening tips. I know for me, my dahlias and some of my flowers just keep on coming here in the early to middle part of October. I feel like I moved from zone six to zone seven in the gardening stuff, but it's that time of year too when... I always get confused. Should I be cutting things down that are starting to look a little ragged or should I let them grow as long as possible? We'll get some tips for taking your garden from fall towards winter here over the next uh, week or so. And we'll talk about some other things. So maybe take a look at the skies again, as we always do with Brian Leda, uh, in terms of uh, how they will look if any big events coming up this fall as we go into winter. And we'll just keep looking at ways that the weather intersects with your life. That nexus is where we try to be here on this podcast. You come for the weather and stay for your life. Friends, we want to say thank you to our hundreds of AccuWeather team members across the company, across the world, who work hard every day to get you the best weather information. A big thank you to our executive producers, Ken Prell and Andrew Robb, for all they do behind the scenes. For all of us with AccuWeather, have a great weekend. We'll see you next week for Episode 3 of our fall series. 
This is Everything Under the Sun from AccuWeather.com. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. Be sure to subscribe to, rate, and review Everything Under the Sun on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. And of course, if you have an idea for a future podcast, just email us at accuweather.podcast at accuweather.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.